Welcome to the Hard Water Fishing Show. Jeff and Jason talk tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. Today on the Hardwater Fishing Show, we welcome back Kurt Quinnell. Kurt is a fishing guide with NCOR Guide Service, longtime radio host, and all-around awesome fisherman. Kurt, thanks for being on the show. Hey, it's great to be back. Hi, guys. It, and we were talking about this before we started recording, but you're the first person I think we've had on twice. So, so you are uh, at the top a lot of the of pressure on me then. We'll try not <laughs> we to do. say the same things I did last time. We're going to get a fact check on that, though. Our buddies Oli and Dave have been on more than once <laughs> ah. but they're kind of like i don't they're know family they're yeah, more family yeah i don't know if i count them so kurt's the first ice fishing professional that's agreed to talk to us twice yes yes for sure that's awesome <laughs> so kurt the first question we want to talk about um you know we're i mean you could still ice fish i mean like it's been really cold but we're close to the end of the season for ice fishing uh i think eventually april 15th i think that's kind of the official date of almost anything from ice fishing being shut down but um you know do you have a couple highlights of this year uh from ice fishing perspective well i've been thinking about that a lot since i i quit you don't want to look back at the season and see what you've done uh first of all well i had uh i caught a 28 inch walleye and a 27 and a half inch walleye this year and that would normally be a highlight but in a normal year of ice fishing I should have two or three of each of them, you know, easily. So this was not as as good a fishing year as uh, as uh, we've had in the past. Fishing years are better than some, or some are better than others. So it's kind of I'm not kicking too hard about that. But it, it was a it was an awesome year. The uh, weather this year was one of the highlights. It was beautiful. The month of January was warm and to the point of being balmy. We got snow, uh, a lot of snow between December and uh, between uh, Christmas and New Year's. And then uh, we didn't have any more snow until almost into March. So conditions were great. Weather was great. Uh, fishing lacked a little bit. But the overall highlight was uh, adding the Mega Live, the Hummingbird Mega Live to my uh, arsenal this year. I, I thought about it for a long time. And I said, there's got to be more monkey business to set that up and use it. And it was. But uh but it was 100% uh, worth it. Jeff, you saw what it was like. Uh, it's uh, It was just unbelievable. I sit and I'd watch it all day and I'd say, wow, this is great. Now, I'm old enough to remember when I got my first green box, you know, back in the, the, <laughs> the late 70s. So I've been around for every little bit of electronics all the way through. And first time I used my Helix, I thought, man, this is great. How are they going to beat this? Well, they did. This live imaging stuff, uh, Mega Live is what I've got, but the... Uh, the uh, live scope is great, uh, and uh, the Laurent unit is great. Uh, it's just a, a great big step forward in fishing, I think. Yeah, it is. So, I know. I really enjoyed using yours. I, I won't lie. It was really great to use that one day. And then I had to go back to my, you know, Helix 7, which is still pretty good. I know that, you know, you mentioned about all the electronic ages and, you know, there always seems to be controversy every time something new comes out, right? When the green box comes out or the Vexlar comes out, you know, oh, it's going to, you know, ruin fishing or it's going to be too easy, but it's still not easy. There were petitions out when the green box came out. 
And I've still got my green box, as a matter of fact. And uh, you really don't see anything on it at all. And you say, well, that's it. We, we can't allow fishermen to use this because, you know, it's not fair anymore. Well, when you look at the megalivide, maybe you think this is hardly fair. But, but you know, uh, we saw a fish that didn't bite. You can't make a bite, but it's nice to know that they're there. So at least you have a chance. Well, and that, that's what I was going to ask you about. So you traditionally, at least from what I understand, you're, you're not a run and gun ice fisherman, right? You pretty much, you have your house, you go and you stay at your house. Yeah, I've been a run and gun fisherman. I did, I did that 25 years ago. I fished off a snowmobile for 15 years with portables. And then uh, as you get older and as you keep changing up things, we went with the skid houses because that's a great way to fish Long Point area with the skid house. And that's a nice, comfortable way to fish, and it uh, certainly uh, isn't a detrimental way in any way. You don't—I don't think we're missing much uh, by mm-hmm. fishing in the in the skid houses because we can move them if you want to. We're lucky enough to have some pretty good areas to fish. So, with the Mega Live in in kind of a stationary setup, what what advantages are you seeing that that helps you with? What what does that bring to that experience? You know that that's really good thing to ask because. Uh, what advantage does it does it give? Uh, if my with my helix, with my vexilar, you know, I I knew when there was a fish around, so that's the advantage that you get knowing that something's home. But with the mega live, I know when there's a fish twelve feet away, either way, and which way he's going. When you see a fish coming right in on your bait, uh, you know that uh, you you got to get ready. You got time to put down the other rod, the dead rod, and pick up the one ready to go and and start cranking so you're working the fish the way you're supposed to. That's the the big advantage to Megalive, and mostly it's the coolness of it. You know, I, I the, the Helix was awesome. You know, now that, that was the great thing. But uh, this Megalive, it's just, uh, it's so much fun to watch that. I wonder what they're going to have in five years from now. I can't even imagine. <laughs> might be like just integrated video or something where you actually can see you know, like it digitally renders the fish or something. Well, or just the little blobs we used to have, like we're the little cartoon yeah. fish. Yeah, that's all I needed, but you're right. Yeah. My dad had, my dad always said, look, with my depth finder, all I want is to push one button to turn it on. And I want the fish to look like little fish. That was his two <laughs> cat. That's the two things that he wanted in a depth finder. He didn't want anything else. He goes, I don't want push any more buttons just give me those two things and actually those are really the two things that uh, everything's giving you they're just giving it to you better and better yeah that's cool yeah i felt like when the 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 things that felt different to me was you could really tell when a fish wasn't interested or not and you can kind of tell that on a helix or a flasher you know they might come up to it and kind of go away but like you could see a fish and tell that fish probably isn't doesn't really care about my bait and it's just going to move on versus a, uh, okay, this one's interested, right? That's it. And the other thing is you'll notice how many more times a fish will go to one bait, look at that one and then swim all the way to your other bait. You couldn't, have, you'd never know that you'd think it was yeah. another fish, but you can see the fish where it is, how many there are and uh, where they're all going. So it's, yeah, like I said, the, the basic information is there. How they're giving you the story is the, is the, the, best new part that they can keep coming up with that makes for some friendly competition we noticed that fishing with a live scope where before you you could argue no that was a whole different fish it, it was just <laughs> you got lucky yep. but now you you see it go right to the other guy and you're like i'm getting your fish 
And when yeah. you when you uh, raise a fish 10 feet up off the bottom and he follows you, then leaves and swims right back down to the bottom and bites the other bait. Yeah. It's dumb that you'd never imagine that. So what you can see is uh, is this new live imaging stuff. It's awesome. Thanks to whoever invented it. And the fact that they'll sell it to us is awesome. <laughs> now, do you use that live that set up on your boat, too, in the summer, Kurt? Well, I'm going to. I got it just before ice okay. started this year. So, I've yeah, that's what I'm kind of worried about. I've got to get the right mounts and get all that done. The boat's still in the shop covered up, so I can't even crawl around. As I, like I said, four below this morning, so I'm not yeah. spending a lot of time out in the boat these days. But uh, it's going to be. It's going to be there, and I'm going to find a, a good way to, to use it so it's out of the way, but you could still. Uh, I'm sure it's good because I ice fish the same way I fish in the summertime. We jig right over the side of the boat. So I'm going to still lock the thing on down just like what we saw it's that's what it's gonna be like in the boat so uh yeah it's gonna be easy to use and i'm excited i just gotta uh, get all the particulars nailed down cool and, and it seems like they're easy to use once you understand it all right i i felt like certainly when we used it it wasn't your first time out and you know once you kind of know how to set it up and stuff it didn't seem that hard but it from a distance or from not knowing how to do it it looks pretty complicated but it seemed like you set it up really quickly you spend a lot of time watching the thing and i i went out the first day with it i didn't i draw two, two rods but i didn't even fish i just put the rods down and until i could see the the baits down there and figure that out but uh it, it's very simple i haven't used well i've been around a, a live scope used before and i thought that was complicated but only because like what you said i'd never seen it before but uh, this mega live once you get it going it is uh it is very simple i will tell you there's something called an ethernet cable on there and a power cable and you don't want anything bad to happen to either one of those cables that's expensive <laughs> that's all i'm going to say and i've learned my lesson once here already <laughs> <laughs> and you think in the instruction, you could say, yeah, why don't you wrap some, wrap some tape around these uh, cables to keep them together to keep everything a bit more secure. But uh, it's 100%. I, I loved everything about it, and I can't wait to get out in the boat and try it this summer. Very cool. Um, yeah, so kind of talking about, uh, you mentioned before we started here, and, you know, whenever I do something, my memory, you know, what you remember always is a little different. So I think I remember when we were fishing together, you, I used your rod and you had the, the drag I said set all the way or very tight. And so you're like, well, it wasn't set all the way. So, so tell us a little bit more about how you set a drag when you're out there fishing. Once I started using a braid, I use fire line on all my jigging rods. You're not, not going to break the line. It's just not going to happen. I got, I've got a, I've got six pound test uh, fire line, and my leader material is like twelve or fourteen pound test mono. I break that mono uh, ten times more than I break uh, on the braid. I guess I don't break many lines anyway. So, story of my dad again. If I tell a lot of dad stories, uh, he kept his drag really, really loose. All right, and he'd get. Uh, little medium-sized fish on he'd crank and crank and crank forever and not make any progress because his drag was loose and so i remember one time as the dad your drag is too loose i reached over and i snugged his drag up a little bit and of course guess what the fish came off right then <laughs> so it was just an act of god it wasn't because of the drag or anything so i said well i'm going to have my drag set before we get the fish on uh where we fish you get a lot of big fish and 
I've had guys in the boat with me that are going to get spooled. You know, I can watch the line going out. So I say, we got to tighten that drag up a little bit. I will be a 24 inch fish. If you get a, if you get a big fish on, you want to have, first of all, a good hook set with it. So having the drag a little tighter gets the hook driven in a little bit better. I think that's all I do is what I think. But, uh, and, and if I was breaking off a lot, I would loosen the drag up, but I just have it so I can pull it. And when I set the hook, if it's a good fish, they can still run out drag, but a little fish, what do they need to have drag going out for? <laughs> However you want to set your, your drag is a hundred percent. Okay with me. But if I'm standing there, I'm going to say, Ooh, you should tighten that up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like Jay, when you got that big Northern on, uh, you know, maybe a little tighter drag would have helped you out a little bit to horse that thing in a little bit I, more. I'm, so I don't know, Kurt. It was a twenty, a thirty-three inch northern. I had six pound mono on. Yeah, and well, so, mono northerns will bite you off more than anything. I know. And then I had a little, basically a, a slab, almost a crappie spoon on with it. <laughs> so I don't know. A medium light rod pulled you off. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I did read something recently too. They were talking about sturgeon fishing, you know, cause right now the big push right now is fishing the rainy river, right? I think it just opened up literally, I think yesterday or today. And, you know, they said when you're fishing there or when you're fishing for those fish, you actually want really heavy tackle because if you use too light of a tackle or too light of a drag, it wears the fish out more and like their survival rate is less. So my, my, my sturgeon rods have, uh, that black braided line, you know, that Dacron black line. That's oh. what I've got on those. And I, you set the, crank the drags pretty tight on them. You want to get, it's still, they're still going to take some drag. You can't lock it down completely or they'll still break off. But you want it pretty tight because you'll never get a, a sturgeon in if he's big because they just swim to the bottom and sit there, you know, or <laughs> swim away. So you need to have some shoulders working on the fish. But um, uh, heavier tackle, you want to get the fish in. You don't want to fight it for, well, you might yeah. fish it, fight it for an hour or two anyway, but you don't want to wow. tire them out too bad. Maybe that's what Oli had when he lost his, it was a sturgeon. A sturgeon? No. We're going to call it that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one on the live scope, so. It's a big sucker yep. is what it was. Isn't that something? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. So I had a question in here about your, I call it your going to the ice shack rig. So <laughs> I got to ride in it. Um, and I think I maybe put a picture out there when we when we when I was there, but you know, you don't just drive out there with your pickup truck, right? How do you how do you get out to your ice shack when you in season? But like for years, we went out uh, on snowmobiles. Then when we decided uh, we were getting some track machines, I had a I have a Ranger that I put out tracks on. So I went out there, which is awesome, get you out there back, but you really can't pull much uh, with a Ranger because uh, my my fish house was kind of all right, but you get a little bit bigger fish house than you can. So then I got a, uh, 03, uh, Chevy tracker. It was like, it was a geo tracker. And I put that on tracks and that was really good. But then I got a bigger fish house and that wouldn't pull it either. So now my uh, neighbor got <laughs> this blazer that I was using uh, with you and I bought it from him. It's a 1994 S10 blazer. The thing about it is it looks a little rough, but there's no rust on the whole thing. The body is oh, nice yeah. and straight. Yeah, I mean, an old blazer, and it runs great. Uh, everything looks like new underneath. The motor compartment's great. So the only thing rough about it is the outside. Now, this year, I'm going to have that shined up, and I'm going to wrap it. So by next year, it'll be cool, and it will look cool, too. 
this is kind of a work in progress on this one. It's a, it's a very nice truck. It just needs some TLC that I didn't have a chance to do last year, but I'm going to definitely do it this spring and this summer. So by next, it hasn't been on, it hasn't been wheels on it since 2015. So the oh, guy wow. that had it before me just used it to go from his house a half a mile out into the lake to his fish house. So, and it never ran in the summertime. It was never around any salt for a long time. Mm -hmm. So it uh, it's a very nice truck. I'm really happy with it. And it's nice to ride out to the fish house in a light jacket and your gloves. You know, that's what's pretty cool. We used to spend 10 minutes putting on all our ice fishing stuff or our uh, snowmobile clothing, uh, the bibs, the jacket, the boots and everything, and sure. drive snowmobile for five minutes, get out, take it all off and <laughs> go on the fish house. So it was, that's kind of the reason why we went with uh, something with a cab on it. Uh, so you can stay warmer and you don't have to go through all that monkey business. It's a work. Fishing with me in every season is a work in progress. I may do it completely different next year or the year after, but uh, this is where I am right now with everything. Well, I know how, what I'll I think of. Oh, go ahead, Jay. How thick of ice do you need for that rig? Uh, what, what do you like to have? It, it's got tracks on it. So as soon as it's a foot, you know, 10 inches or a foot, you can go. I think it was a foot this year. Okay. Because what I do is I can run my, my, uh, uh, ranger out there until the snow gets too deep. As soon as I can't make it on wheels anymore, then I switch over to the track machine. And by Got that, it. by 12, 14 inches, it's plenty. Okay. Very cool. I remember when I, when I came up there, uh, I think it was February. I was up there and you know, I brought, like you said, my bibs and my oh, jacket yeah. and my hat. And you're like, you don't need all that. <laughs> Everyone. Well, then you get out there and you have car trouble halfway out, so you got to walk back in anyway. So I, that's why I don't really brag too much about that because you should have the warm clothes along. You just don't have to have them on the whole yeah. time. Well, yeah. well, you, you have, have so many visitors out there too. It's it's. I mean, they, I think there's a tour or something like about every hour or two, somebody will cruise by and stick their head in the ice shack and say hi. So yeah, the neighbors all want to come over and see what's going on. Do you have a village around your ice shacks, Kurt? Do people look for, okay, where's he at? Well, I have, uh, I fish out where, where all the locals fish. So there's ah. a lot of fish houses around there, but there's nobody in them. You know, I mean, just because you're not fishing, your house stays out there. So it looks like there's probably maybe 20 fish houses around me. But if there's more than two or three other people fishing out there at a time, it seems like there's a lot. And odds are good those three people are going to come over to shoot the breeze or just check up on you sometime throughout the day. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. You yeah. get, eventually everybody gets bored for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. When you're catching so many walleyes, you're like, I got to take a break from this walleye catching. Yeah. When your, your fingers hurt and your shoulders yeah. are a little sore from reeling. <laughs> so Kurt, I noticed um, you really upped your YouTube presence this year. I know there was a couple of live events. I think I was on one or two of them. I listened in, so I wasn't on all of them. Uh, how is that going? Well, I first saw those Facebook Live deals a little while ago, and I thought, geez, that'd be something fun to try. And again, if I'm shooting video, I can't do one. And if I've got, got customers, I can't do one. So uh, I had this time off where I didn't have anybody coming to fish with me, so I'm going to try that. And it's it's tough, you know, uh, if bringing a camera along fishing is a curse, you know, fish don't bite if you got a camera. If you're rolling a camera, they're not going to. So the same thing happens with a Facebook Live. Uh, you're really, really lucky if you can get a, especially 
if you take a 20 minute or a half hour or a 40 minute chunk of your day and say, this is where I want to catch my fish. That's hard to do. So out of the fact we didn't catch many fish, I thought, I thought they went pretty good. I like it. People ask you questions, you answer the questions and, and maybe you're going to get a fish. You know, I, I think Facebook live is a, is a really a nice, a nice tool to have. I'm looking forward to trying with, with the uh, boat fishing too. Um, the thing about in the boat though, you know, if I use my phone, I can't see my phone outside. It's too bright. So yeah. how am I going to, you got to find a place to keep it so you can still get a good view on something and you can still see the camera or see the, the thing and, and read what the people are asking. That's what I'm going to find out when I first start trying them out this spring. The, uh, my YouTube two years ago, I checked on that today. Two years ago, I had uh, 500 subscribers and going in the fall about, September, October, because I said, geez, you can monetize this YouTube stuff. And I looked and said, well, you got to have a thousand subscribers. Yeah. I said, well, good luck. You know, I'll yeah. never get that. But uh, in November and December, those are the key months for growing your your ice fishing uh, presence. People are insane about fishing. Then they're gobbling up anything. They're watching everything they can see. And they are just uh, devouring ice fishing information those two months. So actually, by uh, by the time I got into early December, I had a thousand. I had eleven hundred mm. subscribers for. Wow. I'm not sure why it took off. I've had a YouTube channel for seven or eight years, and after that, I had five hundred subscribers after that long. But it really took off, and now I, I looked. I think I'm at like twenty three hundred. So it's been a wow. big year. Yeah. So I guess I don't know. The kids know how to promote these things. Uh, You've got these uh, guys making fishing videos that have, you know, 80,000 subscribers <laughs> and and their YouTube videos get all these views. I say, well, how the heck do they do that? Their content's got to be good, but there's more to it than that. You've got you to know how the system works and like everything else, you got to know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I think that I'm going to leave it that way because yeah. I'm retired, you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and if you're if you're having fun, that's all that matters. Yeah, right? yeah. I think I, I think uh, if if people are interested and in, if I can help with something or if they find what I'm doing interesting, I love it and I'll keep doing it, you know, for as long as I can. And uh, I uh, I appreciate the people who watch it. I always struggle with you know like recording and stuff. Like I always have the best of intentions to go out and record some content to put on YouTube when I'm fishing, and. Like the times I get into really good fishing are so rare because I live in Iowa. You know, the, the times I really hit them are so rare that the last thing I want to do is stop what I'm doing and set up a camera. I want to catch fish and then I'll talk about it. <laughs> and okay. that, that's what people get. When you're when you're shooting video, you see the bite coming. First of all, you got to start a camera or two cameras. And by the time you get back, the bite's gone or you're late or whatever. So it's a... Uh, it, it makes it a lot harder, but if you if you uh, are lucky enough to get in a day where it's, where it's fairly busy and you're getting a lot of bites, you know, you get better at doing that yep. the more you do it, too, like everything else in fishing. And I don't think we mentioned, Jeff, did we mention that Kurt's up on Lake of the Woods? I don't know that we ever mentioned Oh, that. yeah, I don't know if we said that specifically. So, yeah. So oh. some people may know that, but just for our listeners, Kurt's yeah. on Lake of the Woods, so he's up there in God's country. Type uh, it on the description of the show, then. Put yes. that in there so they'll know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We should have probably, yeah. huh? Yeah, I didn't put that in the it's intro. Okay. I missed that. They had yes. to keep listening. They'll get there. Yeah. yeah, I'll put it on the on the intro. I mean, I I honestly don't know 
especially after last trip, if there's anything, I mean, if you said there's one lake that you have to call your shot and go to, it's going to be Lake of the Woods for me. I mean, I, I'm not saying there aren't other lakes, but I cannot think of one lake that I've had more success at than Lake of the Woods. Well, you got a whopper this year up there, didn't you? Up at the angle. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got a, we got, it was a 29, a little over 29, I think, but I yeah. was right at, 29. <laughs> I think it was bigger Don't than give 29. me this little, the fish is already <laughs> growing, Kurt. It was actually an 18, but 18, it was story not so many 18. times. It's 29. I got a trophy I brought home because I caught that <laughs> fish. So. It was every, a nice fish. Every bite that you get on Lake of the Woods and you're going to catch a lot of little fish that could be a monster. And I think, if there's something, there's a couple of things about Lake of the Woods that that uh, that I think make it rise above just about everything else. All right, is the fact that there are so many big fish here, and there's like I told you, uh, there's dumb, you know, and they're yes. they're hungry and they're feeding, and in a, in a year we catch many 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 twenty eights and twenty nines, uh, a couple of thirties every year, and I don't know, because I'm not, I'm not just keying in on big fish. As a guide, I want my customers to get the fish to take home for one thing. Nice fish to take home. I don't keep little fish, but you need some nice fish. And during the course of every day, you're going to catch some nice fish in the slot. Yeah, that's that's every day. Most days in May and June, we catch more fish in the slot than than fish you could keep. You know, so it's. Uh, it's worth it. Now, uh, in the wintertime, especially, Lake of the Woods gets a rap where people are saying, oh, there's no fish left. You know, we go there and you don't catch fish. You only catch little fish. You're going to catch a lot of little fish on Lake of the Woods. There always has been a lot of little fish on Lake of the Woods, and there's there's no way to get around that. But but the, the thing is, a lot of lakes don't have those little fish. And I think we have so many because they have these em- enormous hatches of walleyes and saugers every year. The harvest... Mm-hmm of saugers on Lake of the Woods has never been as high as it has been the last couple of years. But in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, creel senses, they do it in their, their net gill netting that they do. Uh, there are more saugers out there than there's ever been before. So it's not like they're catching all the saugers. It's not like they're catching all the walleyes, but these fish go somewhere in the wintertime, uh, to get away from where all the people are. And <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm not any longer set up nor do I have the desire to run all over the lake pulling the portable behind, uh, setting up to to freeze. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And look for it. Well, they, they could be anywhere. I mean, seriously, yeah. um, if you look at what the Adrian's Resort does, what the uh, Wigwam does, a couple of the other resorts do, they've got a 26-mile road, an ice road, you know, 100 feet wide and 26 miles long, so you can get out there. Whether, whether that helps or not, I don't know, but uh, Lake of the Woods is ice fishing friendly, more so than anybody else. I'm sure I can say that safely. But these guys are trying. If you go out, if they get a spot for you 25, 24 miles out into the lake and you don't catch them, it's not because they didn't try to put you there. And so I don't, people give them some guff about those long roads, but not everyone has to do that. But there are a few people that do. And I think it's it's a good thing. Luckily, I'm at Long Point where most of the winter, most of the summer, you don't have to run far away because it's just, it's just a good area to fish. It's interesting. We've talked about this before on this show. And I mean, we've been victim of it ourselves where 
there's always that perception the further you go from where you are the better the fishing will be always better on the other side of the lake yeah. <laughs> and it, and what's <laughs> funny is then you talk about like like People, you ask people who are fishing right out in front of where you're at, like, where are you from? They're from the other side of the lake, <laughs> you know, and then you go to their side of the lake and fish. Everybody crosses in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. For the, I moved here, uh, we bought the place where I'm at now in like, uh, 09. And, uh, in that, that winter, we found a couple of really good spots that people didn't fish within a mile of the harbor. I mean, people that fish long point fish at twin islands or at the green buoy. Those are the two big spots. And there are some minor spots, but those are the two big ones. We found a spot that we could fish heck year round, and it was the same exact spot. So we didn't even move for several years. Now, that spot's petered out, darn it. But it, it's still good in May and June. It's real good in September and October. But we used to be able to fish it in July and August, too, and it was just great all the time. Now, why do those fish move away? I don't know. I don't think everything stays the same in mm -hmm. fishing. Uh, or else you could sell your five good spots and, yeah. you know, you could make enough money to buy your new boat. But uh, things change, but we were lucky around here. Uh, there's a lot of good fishing just right around Long Point. But now in the summer, more and more, on a nice day, we're shooting out across the lake. I used to laugh at everyone heading for Garden Island or Night and Bridges. I think, look at them, they're going to Night and Bridges. They don't have to and they can catch fish here. Well, now I go up there. You know, uh, you're looking for something in, uh, and I'll tell this one quick. Um, in the morning, I've got a spot that I fish every morning. That's a quarter mile out from the Harbor straight out. Don't even get up on plane. Just go out there, set up. And I fish there for an hour or an hour and a half. And we catch, uh, one or two to keep a couple little ones. And usually there's one or two big ones in there. So right away you start the day off with a slot and a couple of libel, then you go off. But on the days when you're heading across, I don't stop at those spots where I could catch fish. If I didn't have customers, I would always stop there. But if we're going far away to a spot, I want to make sure that we've got the day to work there. You don't want to get up there late when you're going sure, all sure. that far. So that's kind of my reasoning why I started uh, going a, a little bit further across the lake. Um, if I stop at my if I stop at my spot and I don't catch any fish, I don't care. But if I got customers, I got to get up to where I think. You know, we're going to probably catch them as, as at least get something going as soon as we can. Well, it's hard probably, to be that guy. Yeah. probably that perception, too, if you just go 100 yards offshore and they don't catch a fish, you're like, well, we could have done this in a rowboat. <laughs> well, bingo. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but most days I do. But like I said, I, I've, you've got you've to make sure that people know you're working. Like yeah. pulling a 26-mile road out, out on the ice. You know, no one can say you're not trying for it. You know. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. It, it, it's like the 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 question of questions, right? And we've talked about this, like when to move, how far to go, right? You you always feel like, well, if I worked really hard and I still didn't do very well, I did everything I could, right? If I would have just sat there, and then the guy who just sat there, like our buddy Dave, will just catch all the fish. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it, the we struggle with that. We struggled with it again this year and we, it's paid off sometimes to stay put, but um, it's hard. It's a hard decision when you're sitting there about two, three o'clock and you're like, well, it's been pretty slow, but the night bites coming, but what if it doesn't? And we knew it was slow and we didn't move, you know, it's just that constant mind game that is fishing. It's harder when someone's paying you to take them out fishing too. <laughs> so, I, you know, but you know, if, if I don't, if I move to three spots and we still haven't caught fish, 
it's going to be one of those days where you're probably not going to. I, uh, I've got a kind of a plan for this year. That happens to me one day every summer. And it's usually on a day when uh, it's a little bit breezy to start off with. And about 8 o'clock in the morning, the wind dies. It's sunny and clear and there's no wind. And those can be really tough days. But I, I uh, it happens seldom. But it happens, so I, I think as a professional, I should have a surefire cure for that. And maybe I've got something working for this summer. We'll see what happens. All right, cool. I wish you the best. If you you could probably, if you can figure out that cure to that kind of a day, you've got you've really got it figured out. So yeah, yeah. I uh, well, I uh, when I started my guide service, just be my seventh year now. I was really the only small boat guy on this end of the lake. Up at the angle, there's a lot of guys running in 20-foot boats, all right? But all the people in this lake fish a big charter boats. But there's more now. Since I started, there's been several more that have come up. And those are nice guys, but I uh, I never had anyone to fish with. You know, if you if you go out with uh, Wigwam, they got eight boats out today. Borderview, they got eight boats out today. Well, those guys could spread out and boom, boom, boom. You got eight spots checked in the first hour you're out. Sure, and a lot of lines. Yeah, so when I was when I'm out by myself, I wish that I had that. I've developed some relationships since then, so that's just that's a nice crutch to have. Uh, sure. I I uh, I in as much faster boat, so when we're going across the lake, I get there before all of the charter boats get there, so it's not like I'm rolling up on those guys. <laughs> so yeah. I I don't want to be the guy that chases the charter boats around, but the charter boat guys know what they're doing. They're fishing in a pack, so they they get tons more information than I'd ever have. But uh, fishing generally on this lake goes pretty well. Something odd is going to have to happen to throw you a, a, a bad day. It's going to be weather or usually weather is about the only thing that can get in the way. What was your, this winter, what, what was your go-to presentation? What stayed tied on for most of the winter from a lure perspective? I use, uh, I'm using little tungsten jigs or little jigging spoons. And uh, I added rattlebaits. That'll get us to our story here in a while. But uh, I started using pretty good-sized rattlebaits that I wouldn't have. You couldn't have put a gun to my head and made me use those before this year. But, uh, I, uh, in fact, I always had some just because you have to have everything. But uh, when fish aren't biting and you put on the rattlebait and you put it on, they still don't bite. Well, it's not the rattlebait's fault. But I just I felt more comfortable having a little jig on one line and a little spoon on the other. That's what works. But then I started using the rattlebait, and heck, uh, yeah. You know, everything works. It's kind of funny. What's your favorite? Well, it's whatever you like the best. But uh, I hope <laughs> that I grow and will use more things. I want to try those little uh, little flat, uh, I think they used to call them sonars, or little blade bait. Sure. I've been watching, they use those in uh, rivers a lot, like in Pool 4 of the Mississippi. I've been watching some videos there. and used Oh, so yeah. Since I've gone crazy and used these these aggressive baits, I'm going to try one of those uh, next winter. And why don't I try them in the summer? In the summertime, I use a three-eighth ounce jig of varying kinds, but that's just about 100% of what I use all summer. I've tried the sonars up on Lake of the Woods because I have a couple from river okay, fishing down here. I didn't catch anything. It was, uh, but, but, but here's user the error. Use it was error. a last, a last <laughs> resort kind of thing, right? When you're throwing the whole tackle box. Yeah, so who knows? Right. Yeah. I understand 100%. That's what yeah. kept me from using the, the rattle beats. Um, but 
people you see they, they say oh yeah we use these rattlebaits and caught them i said no they did not <laughs> but so when you're yeah. talking a good size rattlebait can you be a little more descriptive for me like what we're i don't even know about? the sizes on rattlebaits so you saw it didn't you jeff yeah it's it's like a i would call it like a if you've ever seen a shad wrap like Got that it. size like it's so good sized yeah but not like a, like well, a couple inches it's fat yeah it's a couple yeah. inches they're yeah. uh Two and a half inches by uh, one and a half inches high. It's a typical. Just yep. I've got a couple that are smaller, so it's like the biggest rattlebait that I have in my tackle box. But the littlest wow. ones work too. I don't think it go too big. Uh, like I said, these fish when they when they especially a rattlebait, they see something moving, they come right after it. It's the flash and the noise, but yeah, it's super loud. Like, like it's like hollow. It's it's. You know, if you think okay. of like a one of our favorite baits to use is the Northland Buckshot Jig, and it has some rattle to it. This is like ten x louder than one of those. Like, yeah, it's, it's like a, it's hollow and it just has beads yeah, in it, and it's yeah. super loud. Like a rattle trap when you when you pitch those and drag yes. them, and you can hear them bouncing the sound bouncing yep. up the bottom aluminum boat. So yes, yep. Okay, and wow. it's got two trebles, right, Kurt? Like one in the front and the back. Yep. Yeah. Finger grabbers. Finger. Yeah, and, and finger I, those sonars are the same way. By the way, those things are yeah. sharp as heck. And, and it was like almost—I mean, because yours was really beat up because it cut so many fish. But it almost looked—I think it was orange, maybe. And it looked like it was yeah. spray painted. It wasn't spray painted, but it was. Imagine like if you spray painted a lure and a fish bit on it like a thousand times. That's what it reminded me of. These are custom painted. The company that, uh, that makes them custom paints these, and so I sent them a picture. He goes, "Geez." I've never seen that before, <laughs> but that uh, the fish just crush them, you know. Yeah. So I think that uh, any any good bait has no business having paint left on it. <laughs> seasoned, <laughs> well seasoned. That's a good like. That's a good quote. Like, if it's a good bait, it won't have paint left on it. All well, the ones with paint, paint, you just get rid of those. I like it. All right. Well, um, I'm sure we could go on, but I, I think. Maybe it's time to get into the legend. And and part of this is almost a fact check, Kurt, because I feel like I told the story because you told it to me, and I don't think I did it. He didn't do it justice. justice. Uh, he so did were, I did not at all. So you were close. I was close. Let me tell you my I've got I've got two little stories for you. One is pretty awesome. quick. Uh now in my lunch every day, I bring uh a little bag of those of cut up vegetables, you know carrots and celery and the little tomatoes all right in the old days it was just cigarettes and cookies that's all i'd bring out in the boat that's all you need but now it's healthy food so i was eating that one day and, and i took a tomato and i almost put it in my mouth but it was rotten on one side just rotten so i flipped it over the back of the boat and kept fishing later that day when i was cleaning fish that tomato was laying on my fish cleaning board oh serious no kidding absolutely so uh, and I didn't see it come out of a fish's mouth, but it was suddenly there. Uh, but So not only did the fish eat a tomato, why would they do that? But then you catch the fish that eats a tomato. And that's a true story. But oh, that's, my gosh. That's my good couple of good fishing stories I've got. Here's the other one. I was using that rattlebait. I uh, just started using the rattlebait, and I caught a fish, and I reeled it in, and it was a 12-inch saga. So I laid my rod down on the on the floor. I've got the trough in my fish house. Jeff, you know how it lays out. Oh, yeah. yep. I laid the rod on the floor, and about a, I don't know, six or eight inches below that is the hole. So I, the bait was 
laying in the hole because that's where I put the rod down. So I looked at that and I threw that sauger down the hole and on its way by, it hooked that rattlesnake and it pulled the rod gone right with it. Oh. Sauger kept going and the rod was gone. And I said, what? So I spent the rest of the day dragging, I uh, put on a big spoon with a big travel hook and, and drug around for a couple of hours, couldn't get it. And I had to make a live on. So I was watching my bait go down and watching it drag. And I said, I'm just not going to get it, but I'm going to give up today. And the next day I went out and I spent a couple hours in the morning dragging baits around. Couldn't catch nothing as well. The rod's gone. Now I haven't spent a ton on my fishing rods, but I've got good fishing rods and good reels. So it was, it was 80 bucks. That I just threw down the hole, you know? Yeah. So I was a little upset, but I got to let it go. Fine. Fast forward nine days, nine days later, I'm sitting there fishing and I notice I fished the day before, but that day I noticed that there was something below the, my jig on the rod on the left hand. There was something down there. I could see it on the mega live and I didn't know what it was. There was a bump there and it wasn't there yesterday. I said, God, is, is that that rod? So I put on a rattle bait, went down and hooked it immediately, hooked this thing and I'm watching it come up on uh, on the Mega Live. And watch, you can see it's a rod. It's a rod coming up, and I realize that it's coming up sideways. It's not it's not going to come up the hole. Had the ice oh, about sure. eighteen inches thick, so I can't. So my buddy Mar, one of the guys, one of the neighbors, stops by and opens up the door. So <laughs> I heard him come. So I hollered, and he grabbed my rod, and I laid down, and I got my arm as far as I could down the hole, and I pulled that up, and. Uh, while I was reeling it up, I could feel a fight. There was something jerking on it. So I not only had the rod, which I got back coming up the hole, but the sauger was still on. He was hooked right in the butt. Right, oh, man. Right in the anal hole. It's funny how many fish get hooked up there. I don't, there must be everything funnels towards that hole. But he was still hooked, and he was still very much alive, and he was still fighting. So for nine days, that fish drug that rod around i don't think he could have maybe gone far with it but he would get it going mm. you know and what are the odds that he would ever get right back below my hole and without mega live i wouldn't have known it was even there to begin with so anyway i released that put that sauger back in the hole he sat there for a minute and turned on kicked and shot down the hole and was gone wow well, he so, had a story to tell too <laughs> what's that he, the fish had a story to tell his buddies too well, yeah, and to show you, if everyone tells you that every fish you catch at 30 feet of water dies, that's not necessarily the case. But, I mean, he was still fresh after dying days. Yeah. Wasn't in bad shape at all. But, but it must have been a terrible nine days for him. <laughs> that's also very, well, I had the whole thing videoed, which I thought, here's my million YouTube views yeah. video, right? I came home, produced it all up, got it all done, and deleted the whole thing by the click of the wrong button so it was all gone 100% gone so but uh, Mark was there and uh, he'll attest to the fact that it's a true stories so I have two unbelievable stories that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't spent all those years fishing how about that that's awesome Kurt that's a 30 second story but yeah was seeing that tomato sitting there I was like what how does that even happen you know you know if, if they somebody wants to get a hold of you how do they get a hold of you Kurt go to my uh Facebook page, the NCOR Guide Service Facebook page. 
all the information you want there. All the rates are there. My phone number is there. Uh, you can uh, message me through there, but uh, that'll do it. I, uh, it every year it, it books up a little faster. Uh, May and June, there's not a lot of room left in there, but uh, and July is kind of full, but August. But I'll tell you what, folks, if you're not fishing anymore in September or October, you're missing the very best time of the whole year to fish Lake of the Woods. If you put your shotguns down for a couple of days and come up and fish, fish are close by. They're big and they're fat and they're hungry and uh, things just go berserk. The only like, well, like every other time of the year, the only thing that can screw up fishing in those two uh, months of the year is uh, wind. If you get so much wind that you can't fish mm. and it's colder every week, you know, but September, early October are wonderful. But fishing is, is uh, lights out those two months. You want okay. a for sure trip. And I guess the guy should never say that because all kinds of things happen. But uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it is uh, is very good fishing September and October. So those also will book up in a hurry. But if, if you want to come fish now, I could take one person or two person or three people uh, as long as all three people don't weigh more than 600 pounds altogether. People are large nowadays. So I got to kind of say that. One day I looked at the maximum weight on my boat and I thought, well, heck, there's not, there's not room for Right. Me and four other people in there. So I can take up to three, but uh, one or two works fine. And um, not to brag, but <laughs> I, I think I'm probably the, the cheapest guy in the lake. You know, I, I'm not uh, I'm not sending my kids through school. Uh, my boat's paid for. Uh, I'm uh, I'm fishing because I love to do it. And if uh, if I could bring other people out fishing, that's great. That uh, I would I'd love to have you come up and go fish with me. I love this lake. I'm pretty proud of what it can do. And uh, I figure it out a little bit more every year. I've still got a ways to go, but I hope that I have, have a, enough time to go so I can figure out that day when the wind ain't blowing and it's hot and fish don't want to bite anywhere. And I'll get there sooner or later. <laughs> I have no doubt that you will. You'll definitely get there. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Well, uh, Kurt, thanks for being on the show. And uh, I'm really hoping I see you soon and I'll be fishing on Lake of the Woods again and catching some awesome fish. So. All right. Well, great. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Uh, you, uh, these, uh, fishing podcasts are perfect for, uh, for ice, for ice fish house fishing, uh, listening, you know, uh, get a, get a hour podcast, hour and a half podcast Boy, the time flies by. It really helps you. And if you're fishing, especially if you're fishing by yourself, it's a, it's a welcome companion to having a fish house. I, I really appreciate the show that way. Uh, we appreciate that, Kurt. Thanks a lot. You bet. Bye. You've been listening to the Hard Water Fishing Show with Jeff and Jason. Say goodbye. One of the most unique podcasts on the planet where we talk about tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. We'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Till then, signing off. 